Thank you for choosing to listen to our sermon podcast. My name is Chris Mitchell. I'm one of the pastors here at First Covenant Church of Anchorage. If you have any questions or prayer requests, feel free to stop by or send an email to office at anchoragefirstcovenant.com. God bless. Okay, good morning. Again, I'm Christy, and um, I have the privilege to preach this morning. Um, before I do, I just forgot one announcement earlier. Um, for those uh, youth, older children and youth who are still in this service, during the summer we have our summer note sheet, and I'd like to invite you to take some notes during this sermon. If you didn't get one, I've just added some more to the basket in the back. You can grab one, and this is something that you can follow along, take notes in the sermon, and... At the end of this sermon, you can give it to me or Pastor Chris for a treat. Among, I have a few different things today, but I do have sour gummy worms today, so a little special. So uh, if you would like to fill that out um, while we go through the sermon, I invite you to do that. So we are in a series on prayer. Uh, it's a six-week series. It's called Deeply Rooted, A Call to Prayer. And uh, we felt like this would be a great time to do this, this sermon series. One, because there are many other churches in our denomination doing this same sermon series together. Uh, we will be gathering in Orange County, California, Chris and I, and um, I believe Matt's traveling as well. Maybe? No? Okay. <laughs> We're traveling to uh, California to be part of the annual meeting of the Covenant Church. And um, President Tammy swanson Dreheim has um, invited and encouraged our churches to be praying. Uh, uh, they've also developed a sermon series. And so we're in week two. Um, and I'm glad. Last week, Chris introduced the sermon series. Um, and if you uh, miss a, a, series, miss a, a sermon, as often in the summer, we, lots of coming and going, just want to remind you that our sermons are recorded. Uh, they are on Facebook Live. You can go to our Facebook page and watch those after, the, uh, after Sunday. Um, but we also record them. We have a podcast link, and we also have them uh, linked in our newsletter as well as on our website, uh, anchoragefirstcovenant.com. Um, so I want to invite you, if you missed last week, to go back and listen to that. And especially in a series where our sermons build on each other, it's especially helpful to, um, to go back. So I invite you to do that. So um, our sermon is on prayer and how um, prayer more deeply roots us in our faith and in our relationship with God. And prayer, I think for most of us, prayer is a common word. Um, you might say it's talking to God, talking with God. Um, you might call it uh, communicating with God. Um, but it really is, at the most basic level, communicating with God. And yes, it does involve talking, but it doesn't have to involve talking, right? Because we, we pray also in our spirit. And in fact, Ephesians 6.18 tells us and exhorts us to pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And so in addition to our words, prayer engages our spirit, that eternal part of us. And it's not just one kind of prayer. There's many forms and there's many occasions and that's partially why we have a six-week series, because um, it's really difficult to do just a sermon on prayer. And even in our six-week series, we will not exhaust the treasures of prayer, teachings on prayer in Scripture. Um, but this week, our focus 
is on praying for the things we need. Now, I grew up hearing uh, a prayer acronym. I think Chris may have mentioned this last week. ACTS, A-C-T-S, adoration. We pray ad prayers of adoration and prayers of confession, thanksgiving and supplication are needs. And that's a great guide. And we acknowledge that prayer is broader than just bringing our needs. Recently, I've been praying through a, the help of a prayer, Electio app, and the acronym that they've been working through is PRAY, P, pause to be still, R, rejoice with a psalm and reflect on scripture, A, ask for God's help, and Y, yield to his will in my life. So these guides really help us and can um, acknowledge the many different forms and ways that we pray. But like I said today, we are looking specifically at praying for the things we need. Prayer is not only asking God for what we need, but it, is, but it absolutely includes asking God for what we need. Let me say that again. Prayer is not only asking God for what we need, but it, abs it is absolutely includes asking God for what we need. As we look through scripture, Old Testament and New, we see many, many accounts of prayers, people praying. In Genesis 4:26, in the genealogy of Adam's family, we find that Seth had a son. So Seth was Adam's son. Seth had a son named Enosh. And Genesis 4:26 tells us at that time, people began to call on the name of the Lord. So there's a verse that tells us that something was happening where people realized they had access to God and could call on his name. And as you look through the Old Testament, there's so many different types of requests. We see that Isaac prayed for his wife to become pregnant, Genesis 25, 21. Moses prayed for God to take away the snakes, Numbers 21, 7. Hezekiah prayed for direction, 2 Kings 20, verse 2. Nehemiah prayed for architectural plans to rebuild the city, Nehemiah 2, 4. Daniel prayed three times a day in thanksgiving to God's faithfulness. We see that in Daniel 6, 10. David prayed for the peace of Jerusalem. At age 84, Anna prayed to behold the Messiah, Luke 2, 36 and 37. We see Jesus telling us about two men who went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and one a tax collector. The second was heard by God because of his humility, Luke 18, 14. St. Paul, the apostle, prays for a successful evangelistic mission, Colossians 4, 3. John, the beloved, prayed for good health and well-being, 3 John 2. And Jesus admonishes the church to pray for their enemies. Matthew 5, 44. Throughout the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, prayer is constantly in use. Now last week, Chris talked a little bit about some of the barriers that we encounter to prayer and then some encouragements and how we can overcome those barriers. And one of the things that he reminded us was to come as children, expectant, bold, and trusting when we pray. You see, at very young ages, children learn to pray often by watching us or hearing us pray. 
and, and they learn very quickly that they can ask for things, and they ask boldly. <clears throat> I, uh, I have three children, and actually all my children are here today, right here in the front row. They're not always usually here. Um, but I began learning this with my first child, Sharice. Uh, I was 29 when she was born, and uh, um, she, at about the age of two, decided that it was time for us to add another child to our family and told me, Mom, I want a baby sister. And I said, well, uh, how do I answer this? So for a little history, uh, when Curtis and I, the first year of our marriage, Curtis and I were told by the doctors that because of multiple issues that I had going on, um, hormonal, structural, things I didn't even know about at the time, they didn't, didn't know how to diagnose, that I would not be able to have children without some very significant medical intervention. And so uh, we received that news with sadness and went through a time of grieving and then um, opened our heart to say, well, Lord, whatever you have for us, we'll receive. And if that's not for us, then we will we'll trust that you have something else in mind. Well, five years later, uh, I conceived, and it was our daughter, Sharice. And um, that's a whole other story of journey with the Lord. But at age two, um, she said this, knowing that, yes, we have something to do with, but there's a lot that we didn't have control over. I said, well, Sharice, you need to ask God for that. That's his department. Every prayer after that, dinner time, bedtime, Sharice was praying, God, I want a baby. I want a baby sister. It was usually a baby sister, right? So I, um, she even told, we had a little um, group that met in the, the building that we lived in Unipli at the time, and we lived on this apartment that was attached to a gym. And we would have like a ladies' Bible study, and the kids would play in the gym area. And so as the moms, we would take turns rotating, t watching the kids while the other moms met for Bible study. And my friend Mary Beth came to me after Bible study one morning and said, are you pregnant? And I was like, a little taken aback. I was like, no. Like, well, Sharis told me that she's going to have a baby in her family. And I said, well, she's been praying and asking God for that, but nothing has happened yet. But it just tickled me because she believed, right? I'm asking God, and I'm, he's going he's to give it to me. Well, I told Curtis, Curtis, I would not be surprised if the Lord answers her prayer. Well, sure enough, just a few months later, in July, I found out that I was expecting another child. But it was not a sister, it was a brother, right? And so then we had conversations about God knows exactly what we need, more than we do, but he answered a prayer. And even just the next year after, uh, when we moved to Sobotna, uh, out of Unilakleet, um, our beloved dog Buster ran away. This was Sharice's very best, very best pet friend. She was very grieved. But after a period of time, she told us, we need a new dog. And she told me that she wanted a purple puppy. And I said, well, you know, she watched um, Clifford the Big Red Dog, and there's like that purple poodle in that. Um, I was like, well, God doesn't make purple dogs. She's like, well, we can ask him for a dog. So then the prayers became about God giving us a new dog, God giving us a new dog. So one day, Sharice came to me and said, Mom, God told me that God is giving us a yellow dog in a box. I was just really taken aback. I mean, I hadn't heard that same thing, but she was sure God had, give, had told her that he was giving us a yellow dog in a box. Well, just a few weeks later, we were at Fred Meyer in Salbatna. As we walked to the door, there was a box with a person standing behind the big, deep box. And as we peered in, there were four puppies in the box. And one of them was yellow. 
and Sheriff looked in there. Now, as we're looking in there, the manager is coming out the door because you're not supposed to be giving away free puppies at the front door of Fred Meyer, right? <laughs> they came out to make them move to the parking lot, and Sheriff looked at me and said, Mom, it's my yellow dog in a box. <laughs> well, how do you argue with that one, right? See, we come, we're encouraged to come to God as children. Even our very young children can model this for us. Now, as we look at the English translations of the scriptures, often there's two words that are used for this, um, to bring to God our needs, what we're asking for. One of them is petition. And this is um, with the idea to make a formal request. You know, we sign petitions for different things, but it's to make a formal request to one in authority um, with respect to a particular cause. Sheriff was petitioning God for a baby brother, or a baby sister, a baby, and a, you know, a puppy. It's a, a formal request. I, when I started working on this sermon, uh, this one story kept coming to my mind, so I'm going to share it. My best friend, Cynthia, she became my best friend in college. But before she was my best friend, she and I were in a discipleship group. I thought she was kind of strange, honestly. Um, she was very, very bold, um, you know, very black and white, and um, a very strong personality. So she was a little off-putting, honestly, a little off-putting to me at first. Um, I wouldn't have expected for her to become, like, the maid of, honor, maid of honor of my wedding, and still my friend, who I talk with often, who also still challenges me in areas of faith. But she was sharing with our group that she, that God had answered a very specific request that she'd been praying for. She um, worked her way through college and had no extra spending money and often didn't even know how she was going to pay for her bill, her tuition bill or whatever. And so she said, I, my purse, like the zipper on her purse broke or something happened and her purse was no longer functional and she needed a purse. Now, I was probably listening going, well, do you really need a purse? I mean, I don't know if you'd call a purse a need, but for her, she needed a purse. And so she said, I asked God and told him I needed a purse. I was like, oh, this is kind of, just kind of weird. You know, like, and she said, and God answered my prayer. And so we're like, well, how did God answer your prayer? Well, Cynthia worked in the employment office at um, the University of Oklahoma where I was going to school. And so part of her job was to, to receive the new job postings, post them on the job board, and then as people applied for them, she would help match them up. And she said, I was going through the new jobs, and there was a job for a mystery shopper. You guys know what a mystery shopper is? So I don't know if they still do this, but they used to do this, where different companies would hire someone, give them money to go either eat at a restaurant or spend something at the store where they're at, and then fill out an evaluation, like how their customer service people dealt with you. She said, so a, a mystery shopper came on. And guess where it was, was for? For Claire's. All right, Claire's, like in the mall, you know, the earrings. Well, guess what Claire's have? Has, they have purses. So she said, I had $20. This is like back in 1987, maybe 88. So, you know, $20 was a lot. I had $20 to go buy whatever I want, and I bought a new purse and something else. And she was just so excited to tell us about how God had answered her prayer. And I was moved by that. I still remember that because I... It took me to a whole nother level of what is okay to be praying about. Um, often we think it's just the big things, but she encouraged me that God was showing her that she could bring whatever it was that she needed to him in prayer. 
We also see the word supplication, and this is a different, a, a different um, connotation. It's an action of begging, begging for something earnestly or humbly. These are those prayers when we just feel like there's nothing else that we can do. And, and we, we come with emotion begging God to answer us. Both of these are prayers that we can bring to the Lord. Now today, the text we're going to be looking at is Matthew 6, 7 through 15. And we've actually already recited it as we recited the Lord's Prayer this morning. The Lord's Prayer is found in two places in the New Testament. It's found in Matthew 6, verses in, in Matthew 6, and we're going to be looking at that particular one this morning. But it's also found in, in Luke 11. And the Luke 11 account is when Jesus' disciples ask him after he's returned from a prayer retreat that he's been on with the Lord. Lord, teach us to pray. And then he teaches the prayer. In the Matthew account, Matthew includes this in a, in a section that we've called come to call the Sermon on the Mount, which is uh, three chapters of teaching of Jesus and set on the, on the hillside. Um, you know, it's very possible that Jesus did a long teaching like that all at one time, but it's also possible that Matthew combined several different times when Jesus was teaching in the, wilderness, in the, in the hillside with his people and his disciples. So we're going to look at the Matthew 6 accounts. The prayer is very similar that he gives. So let's, um, if we can put the scripture up on the screen. This is going to be Matthew 6, verses 7 to 15. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So a few things about this uh, passage that I noticed as I studied it. First of all, the very first few words says, and when you pray. As a person of faith, prayer is a normal and expected part of our life with the Lord. It's not if you pray, but when you pray. We know that this is something that's a normal rhythm that we develop over our life of faith. Now the other thing that we see in this introduction is that it's not about the number of words we pray, how loud we pray them, how eloquently say the words. It's not about that. Now see, uh, uh, where, where Jesus was, they were part of the larger Roman Empire, and there were multiple different uh, gods that were worshipped in that area. There was a polytheistic um, secular culture, and in those temples, um, prayer was part of it as they petitioned their gods, but often it was done with loud, loud um, prayers 
lots and lots of words. And he says that's not how, um, how the God, our God, the God who is one, um, need, wants us to be praying. Not that we can't use a lot of words, but that's not what makes us being heard. Now, we also see that we're told that God knows our needs before we ask them. So you might say, well, if God knows my needs, I don't really need to say them or ask for them. But that's not what we see here in this scripture. We see that it's not because of the words we say or how we say them or how many there are, how eloquent, but we are just in our prayers to the Lord. See, prayer is not only asking God for what we need, but it absolutely includes asking God for what we need. See, the formulation of words, um, whether spoken or offered silently through our spirit, is our way to connect, to commune with the Lord. Now, you might be a person that gets caught up on the word need. Like I said earlier, when my friend Cynthia talked about this purse that she needed, I was like, you know, is that a need, really, right? So you might be like that. So, well, how do I know? What's a need? Or what's a want? Can I bring both? Well, let's just look at a few other scriptures around prayer to help us shape our idea with this. So Matthew 7, in Matthew 7, 7 to 11, this is just after this, the next chapter of the, the past reading, it says, ask and it will be given. And God tells us, you, I mean, you have fathers. And when you ask your father for bread, he doesn't give you a stone, right? He gives you good things. He says, I am a good father. I know how to give my children good gifts. And in Philippians 4, 6 through 7, Paul uh, writes to the Philippians to not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication. Remember, supplication, not begging. With thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And in Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, we're told that we, since we have a great high priest, that's Jesus, who has ascended into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. And it says, we, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our needs, with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. So because of this, let us then approach the, the God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We are invited, we're told, we're encouraged to bring all that we have, all our needs, whether, whether we're not sure if it's a need or a want, to bring it to the good God and his, his throne of grace, and he will work with us. Now, I think it's important to know that we do have an adversary. We do have an enemy, and the enemy is called the accuser. And he likes to come at us to prevent us from prayer, saying things like, who do you think you are asking for more, asking for that? You don't deserve to ask God. I mean, you haven't even prayed for three months, and now you want to ask God for something? There you go, asking God for that same thing again. You think God's going to answer you now? You only ever pray when you want something, so don't even try. God doesn't want to hear it. See, these are voices from the accuser. These are not voices. This is not the Holy Spirit. This is the voice of the accuser who wants to keep us from him who wants to bless our life and show himself to us. See, God is not the accuser. The enemy is. 
Our persistence, our boldness does not put God off like it puts off humans. So there's two different parables that, that Jesus tells in different places about prayer. One of them is about the persistent widow who goes to the judge over and over and over and over and over and over again. And finally the judge gets so tired of having her come to him, he acts and acts justice on her behalf. And then there's another one um, where uh, uh, a neighbor goes to the neighbor's house. He's had some visitors come and in the middle of the night starts pounding on the door to wake the person up to give them what they need for their guests. And we're encouraged, says, you know, even if, even if, even if you're friends, it's not because your friends are going to get up and, and answer the door and give you what you need, but because you're bold to go in the middle of the night. See, it's not that God is irritated with us. It's to show us that God is not, um, he's not, he's not irritated. He's not annoyed like we humans are, but he invites us to come boldly, to come in the middle of the night, to come over and over again with what we need, to come with persistence and boldness. God encourages us to knock on his door, and he will open the door to us and meet with us. See, God is a compassionate God. Jeremiah 9, 24 tells us it's God speaking about himself. And he says, you know what? For those who are rich, I don't want them boasting in their riches. Or those who are knowledgeable, they don't boast in their knowledge. Or for the strong, they shouldn't be boasting in their strength. If you're going to boast, no, boast in me. Boast that you know me. And what do you know about me? That I am the Lord, and I exercise kindness and justice and righteousness in the earth. For these things I delight. The Lord is compassionate and gracious. We know that he's slow to anger, abounding in love, and he's an inv inviting us to him. So as I said earlier, prayer is not only asking God for what we need, but it absolutely includes asking God what we need. So let's just look a little closer at the prayer we read. We call the Lord's Prayer. Some people call it the Our Father. Uh, as, I, as, I, as I meditated on this verse, um, these verses this week, um, and that whole idea that God knows what we need before we pray, and yet then he gives us this model, this prayer with abbreviated requests, short, and yet so rich, it made me think about, um, or I, I thought in a different way, if God knows what we need, and this is what he's asking for us to pray, these are things he knows we need. And that these are things that we can grow in our prayer life to be bringing to him as well. So let's just look at these for a few minutes. The first, God knows that we need to remember that we are more than a me. Our Father. We are part of a larger family of God's children. And we have a father. We have a family in God. We are not on our own. And so as we come with our prayer requests, we know that God takes those, but he also has his other children in mind. Last week, Chris mentioned how sometimes his kids come to him with a request, and for different reasons, he says yes or no or later or, or sometimes amends the answer because he knows what's being asked for would harm another one of his kids. So um, the Lord knows, and he's holding all of this uh, in his heart. We're not alone, and we come together. We are a part of a larger family, and we have a father. So Fred Savak, some of you may be familiar with that name. Uh, he was one of our native pastors, um, has since, has, has, is with the Lord now. But he wrote a book called Jesus and the Eskimo, and it's the story of his family, 
and how the Lord um, drew his family to him uh, uh, in the early days um, before um, missionaries had come to the region, the Northwest Arctic region. Um, his grandfather had a vision. And the vision while he was in his, um, in his home was uh, a man in white came from the top of his house down and his feet hovered just above the floor. And this is what the person said, the man said, I am the father of all people and soon all will know about me. And then the, the vision left, the visitor left. I am the father of all people. That was the introductory uh, phrase to get them to know that God wanted that to him to know wanted them to know him and him to be be with them, and the story goes it's a fascinating book and if you haven't ever read it I'd encourage you to read it. Um, the father of all we have a father and we have siblings, we come together. Now we also see in this passage that he has access to all we need and he wants us to know that he is the source of our life. And he dwells in our midst, and he reigns in the spirit realm where he has not relinquished any of his authority. Now we live on earth, and for a time we're told that the adversary has been given authority here on the earth. We know it's not going to always be that way, but we live in that time. And that's the reality. But we also know that there is a realm, there is a spirit realm, where God is completely Lord. He has not given up any of his authority. There is no power for the enemy to tarnish that place. And when we pray, we come and our prayers open a portal to say that his will that's being done in the heavenlies, it is ushered into our being. And it is able to transform our world, our life, the things that are happening around us. And because of our prayers, that reality becomes part of our reality. It touches our place, our life right now. And we also realize we need to know that as we come, we come humbly. We come humbly and freely to be in alignment with his will. Your will be done is part of this prayer. You know, this um, causes me to think about Jesus' prayer in the garden when he prayed. If there's any other way God, for me to, to, to do what you've called me to do. If, if I don't have to go through this, the crucifixion, the pain, the betrayal, if there's any other way, please, can we do it some other way? But not my will, but your will be done. It's okay to come to the Lord with prayers and requests and say, I'm not exactly sure if this is your will. If, if, if it's not, please, I want your will. And this is the place that we come and surrender to prayer. Now we also see that the line, give us this day our daily bread. And this phrase grounds us in our need to understand um, today in the present. In Exodus 16, if you remember, the Hebrews were in the wilderness. They had just been delivered from slavery. The mighty hand of God outstretched on their behalf from the Egyptians. And now they're in the desert. And the Lord, in the morning, to provide for them, gave them manna. So the word manna means, what is it? Like there was this stuff all over the ground. They didn't know what it was. What is this? 
And the Lord said, you gather this, you take this, and you can grind it, and you can make it into flour and bake it into different things. This is your provision. This is your food. And I'm going to give it to you every single day. And every day, five days of the week, I want you to get just what you need for the day. On day six, you get what you need for today and tomorrow, because tomorrow is a day of rest, Sabbath, and none of you are gathering, so you grab extra. And so they, some of them did what he said, but some people, yeah, yeah, I'll just take a little extra. But then they'd find that that extra would rot or be spoiled in the morning. And so this harkens, harkens us back to just what we need. Now we also think about Jesus as the bread of life and the story of Jesus multiplying the small loaves of bread into an abundant amount where there was 12 baskets left over. So I don't think that this phrase is just saying it's only okay to only have what you, just what you need, but also to ground us because our, our souls, our physical bodies, we're often, uh, we're needy and it's, it's easy to be tempted to think that more and more and more and more and more is what's really going to meet the longings of our soul. But the Lord wants us to know that he wants to give us what we need for today. I also think about the Lord's Supper when, we, when uh, you know, we still have our little cups right now, but we're moving back to we're going to have a loaf, right? But the image of the loaf, the loaf of bread that's one, it's like one little loaf, maybe it seems like maybe it's just enough for one or two, but when we break it and we break it and we break it, there's enough for all. And so the Lord's heart is that all have enough. And to, to, um, to put our soul in check when maybe we are not thinking of others who need. 1 Timothy 6.6 6 says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. We are susceptible to being pulled away by the pursuit of riches, or the, the pursuit of more, more, whatever it would be in our lives. But God tells us that he, he knows that he wants to meet us. See, we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And he also wants to feed us that word, that bread, every day. He also knows that we need to remember that evil is a very real part of our world. And he knows that we are weak, that we're made from dust, and we are susceptible to being led astray, to be tempted to walk away from the path that he's called us. And this prayer, when we say lead us not in temptation, it's not that, that God could tempt us. In fact, we're told that God cannot tempt us to sin, that sin is not part of his nature. But see, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 promises us, tells us that we will be tempted, but not more than we can bear or something that's abnormal. But God is faithful and will provide the way of escape. And this connects to that, Lord, Lord, help me stay on your path. Don't let me become like that naive youth in Proverbs who is just wandering along into the, into, um, the adulterous woman's path. Lord, keep me. Help me be alert to your ways. Help me to stay on the path. And then he tells us that we also need to know that evil, we know evil is a part of our world, but that we, he is there for us to, to deliver us from evil. Now, I love this. Um, the Greek word for deliver is ruhamai, and it means to draw, it's a verb, and it means to draw to oneself, to rescue or deliver, to be pulled near. It makes me think of, you know, um, a child that's in harm's way, uh, maybe a car playing on the sidewalk and a car's coming in to grab and to pull to 
to the parent self, to their, to their closeness. See, delivering us from evil means that we, we let God pull us to himself, deliver us from evil. And he also knows that we need to receive forgiveness. And we need to extend forgiveness. We were made for relationship. We were made for intimacy with others. And we know that the enemy um, wants to plant all kinds of divisiveness in us, in our personal relationships, in our world, in our larger relationships. We're often experiencing disappointment, hurt, and even from those who are closest to us. He knows we need that, that we are. And, and there's an actual little teaching there on the end, right? He talks about how um, we pray, Lord, forgive us just as we've forgiven those who've sinned against us or as we also forgive our debtors. And he says, you know, God has done this incredible work of forgiveness for us on the cross. It's there for us to receive. But we can really be short, we can be very short-sighted and, and be lacking if we then do not give that same forgiveness to others. So we need help. We need help forgiving. I think of the, the man that came to Jesus and his child needed to be healed. And he said, do you believe? And he said, I believe. Help my unbelief. See, that's a prayer we can bring to the Lord. Lord, help me with my unforgiveness. Hebrews 12, 15 tells us, it says, See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Bitterness left undealt with is like a root, like a weed that goes deep into our heart and into our relationships. It causes trouble and it doesn't just affect us, but it defiles many. And so we see that Jesus knows that we need to have, have an adequate heart, a willingness to forgive. That God's grace is for us and God's grace is for others. And that he wants us to be part of that work. So what are you needing today? What is it that God would have you bring to him? Maybe you've been hearing the accuser who's doing all he can to keep you from bringing your needs to the Lord. Maybe you feel guilty or feel bad that that's mostly what your prayers are, is bringing your needs, and you know there's other things. Remember from what we've seen in Scripture today that prayer is not only asking God for what we need, but it absolutely includes asking God for what we need. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the way you've shown yourself to us and the invitation that you have given us to bring to you our needs, the things that are heavy on our heart. And God, you've also shown us things that we may have forgotten that we need. We may have forgotten that we, we have a father, that we're part of a family, and that we come in solidarity with others. And we may have forgotten that you invite us to have your, the reality of what's happening in the heavenlies and the heavenly realm, to, to bring it, that your kingdom would come right now. We know when you return, the fullness of your kingdom will come. But God, the kingdom of God is near, you said, when, we, when Jesus is on the earth and your spirit is here now. So help us to be bold about asking that you would touch our families, our relationships, our community, our nation, our world with your ways, your will. 
Lord, we each have needs. Some of us do not know where we'll get our next meal. Some of us do not know where we'll go, where we'll stay. Lord, we ask that you would give us today our daily bread. The things that we need for our physical sustenance, but also what we need for our emotional and our spiritual wellness, God. And Lord, we know that we don't live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from your mouth, God. We ask that the word that has been read and the word that's been spoken this morning, God, would, would nourish our hearts. And Lord, we ask for your work, Lord, your way to deliver us from evil. For the things right now that are pulling at us, um, whether it's people, whether it's desires, whether it's addictions, God, whether it's the, the lies of the end, whatever is, is pulling us away from your good path, Lord, we pray that you would help us to find the way of escape. Help us to reach out to someone and tell them that we're struggling. And Lord, maybe remember that you died on the cross to pay for all of our sins. And Lord, when we acknowledge you and we confess our sin, Lord, you, you, you cleanse us, you forgive us, you give us new life. And we thank you for that, Lord. And we pray that you would help us in the places and the people that we're having such a hard time forgiving. And for good reason, Lord. But God, we know there's no good reason when we put it right next to the cross. So Lord, help us. Help us with our unforgiveness. We pray, Lord, that you would be working healing, that you would be uprooting roots of bitterness, Lord. So that there'd be flourishing and that there'd be healing. And we thank you, God, that you invite us you invite us to ask for all, all kinds of things and for wisdom. And when we ask you, God, you tell us that you don't find fault with us. You're gracious. There's no shame in bringing our needs to you, Lord. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you are kind and compassionate, that you are forgiving, and that you invited us, Lord, to bring our needs to you. Help us to do that and grow us in our prayer lives. In Jesus' name.